Hey, thanks for coming. Welcome to the Love Shack. Hey, welcome to the Love Shack, a little old place where we get to get together and explore fresh perspectives, eavesdrop on juicy conversations and uncover mysteries that nobody talks about, but absolutely influences our relationships. If you're struggling in your marriage, just starting out in a new relationship or are single and looking to do better next time, this is the show for you. My name is Stacey Bartley, and I am here with my co-host and lover, Tom. Together for the past decade, we have been teaching and loving on people from around the world with the sole purpose of helping individuals and couples to love more and fear less in their relationships, both with themselves and others. A quick shout out to our podcast listeners today. Absolutely. Yeah. If you're catching us on our podcast, thank you very much. Uh, we are live every Thursday at 1 p.m. PST. I share that. If you've ever liked to catch us live, ask us a question. We'd love to have you. Bottom line, wherever you are, whenever you're listening to us, we appreciate you taking some time out and spending a few moments with us. we got an excellent show today uh, that we're really excited to share with, with yeah, you. Yeah. Today, we're going to be talking about when someone you love has anxiety. I know we probably can't relate to that right now being a little sarcastic right (laughs) we have a lot of things to to bring up anxiety within us Um, and today we're going to be having keely negan a certified community resilience model teacher reiki practitioner and reconnective healer She's been helping people break free from anxiety's grip for the past decade. So with everything that 2020 has delivered us, navigating the world right now is a challenge for most of us. But we know how much harder it can be if you, your spouse, a partner, or a loved one struggles with anxiety. How are you supposed to know exactly how to talk to a partner or a loved one about their anxiety without hurting their feelings, right? How do you bring these conversations to the forefront of your relationships? At times, it can seem impossible, especially when you have no idea, perhaps, how it feels to have anxiety or know how to share that. It definitely has an effect on our relationships. So here in the Love Shack today, Keely's going to be sharing with us some very simple and life-saving practices that are based on cutting edge neuroscience. And we're going to empower you to hit the reset on your fraying and frazzled nervous system right here, right now. We'll be right back with Keely and Megan. Tired of sitting on a couple's counselor's couch and feeling like you're just rehashing the past and making no progress? Do you feel like you're holding on to your relationship but panicked you're losing your partner? It's time to learn how to deepen your connection, finally resolve the arguments that keep coming up, understand yourself and your partner, and create the level of intimacy you've been dreaming of. It's time for love to tingle your toes again. Schedule your private session with relationship expert Stacy Bartley at stacybartley.com slash checkup. Do you feel like your love life is on life support? It's time for a turbocharged relationship resuscitation. 
with an alternative to marriage counseling. Head over to StacyBartley.com to learn more about their proprietary programs their clients use to save their relationships. S-T-A-C-I-B-A-R-T-L-E-Y.com. Visit StacyBartley.com today. Ready to learn the most important thing you can do to revitalize your relationship today? Go to StacyBartley.com slash fairy dust. StacyBartley.com forward slash fairy dust. This is the number one thing Stacy teaches her VIP clients that has the power to improve the health of your relationship today. Learn how sprinkling a little fairy dust in your relationship can stop arguments in their tracks, rekindle your spark, and take your difficult conversations from the struggle bus to easy street. Alternative Talk 1150. It's good for what ails you. This statement has not been evaluated by the FDA. Hey, welcome back. Boy, are we excited to introduce to you today our guest. We are joined by Keely Megan. Um, We're going to be discussing what anxiety actually is and what it feels like, how anxiety can hijack our relationships and exactly what we can do about it. And the one most important message that you must know about anxiety today and how to deal with it in our current world climate, like we don't have anything going on, right? But first, let's reveal a bit more about Keely so you can truly appreciate what she has to share with us today. On her website, I loved when she says, I care because I've been there. Oh, that just says volumes. <laughs> so for the past decade, Keely has been helping people break free from anxiety's grip. But her abilities she developed by overcoming her own tsunami of anxiety that has been hardwired into her body. Her victory over anxiety has led her to become a certified community resilience model teacher, a Reiki practitioner, and a reconnective healer, as well as many other things, as she utilizes cutting-edge practices from the field of neuroscience. In Keeley's words, she says, I imagine a world where every single one of us knows how to relieve anxiety and its sister, depression. And as a result, we can then face challenges with greater courage, strength, and grace. Like the work that Tom and I do, teaching from not only education, but from personal experiences, Keely, too, has had a personal experience of dealing with crippling anxiety. And we want to invite her and welcome her to the show right now. Hi, Keely. So great to have you here. We have been so excited for this conversation. It's such an important one, especially right now. The timing couldn't be better, right? Oh, absolutely. And Stacy and Tom, I'm so excited to be on as well. I've loved your other shows. And yes, boy, what a pregnant moment here. Um, <laughs> so tell us a little bit about your own journey so that, right, we can sure. let listeners know, hey, I really do know what I'm talking about here, right? Tell us a little bit yeah. about your story. Yeah. So, um, I love helping people with anxiety, but it didn't come naturally, right? I am a highly sensitive person, which means I'm more reactive to my environment naturally so than the people around me. But I was also verbally and physically and sexually assaulted by members of my family's church for over a dozen years. Mm, wow. So growing up in, in my 20s, I just, I really 
connected with that sense of hating myself and feeling like life was an empty shell and it was meaningless. And I was saved by a couple of therapists in my 20s and 30s who um, weren't dealing with my nervous system. They were doing talk therapy, but they were miraculous and they saved my life over and over. Mm. And I went on to what I considered a normal life, right? But out of the blue in my 40s, boom, panic attacks, so fierce. I was physically paralyzed for hours. Wow. I couldn't move a muscle. And when I could move, I was still so anxious and raw that I could barely milk my goats, like right, kind of normal, right? So I could barely milk my goats, get myself to work, come back and milk my goats again, and go to bed. I couldn't afford therapy. I was living on this remote mountain mesa in New Mexico, and I was really white-knuckling my way through life for months. And one morning I woke up lying in my bed, scared and exhausted, and I heard myself say, if I don't get help, I'm not going to make it. And so I did some research, put down a payment plan, got myself to Albuquerque for a three-day workshop where I learned how to slow down and stop the panic attacks. And it was a miracle. I I didn't master the skills right then and there, but I realized I wasn't crazy. This wasn't my fault. I knew how to work with it. And as a highly sensitive person, I still have a finely tuned nervous system. But today, I can halt most anxiety within seconds or minutes. I mean, even panic, right? Seconds or minutes, like, oh, come on. Right. Breathe, ground. Do what, do what, you know, rub your hands together, Keely. Mm. So. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Navigating the silent, complex moments of separation or your partner's need for space can feel like walking through a maze without a map. If this sounds familiar, know that you are not alone. This journey, filled with uncertainties and introspection, requires a gentle, understanding guide. Hey, I'm Brooke from Love Shack Live. We see you, and more importantly, we get it. That's why we created the Separation Support Bundle a collection of resources designed to not just guide you through separation, but to offer comfort and clarity during these times. Our separation guide offers insights and support to help make sense of your emotions and the process of separation. And for those moments when words escape you, our guide on 10 texts to send when navigating space provides thoughtful prompts to help communicate with compassion, plus a soothing separation meditation to help ease the overwhelming moments. Because sometimes all we need is a starting point or a way to start feeling okay again. Remember, you don't have to journey through these complexities of separation alone. Our separation support bundle is here to accompany you, guiding you towards healing, understanding, and most importantly, the renewed sense of self. Visit stacybartley.com forward slash bundle today to access your free separation support bundle. At Love Shack Live, we're all about exploring the real stuff that relationships bring, the good and the challenging. So let's tackle this together, because even in the hardest times, there's hope, growth, and yes, even love to be found. 
I love that. I love that you're sharing just right out of the gate some really simple and powerful things that we can do when anxiety strikes. And and the thing that I, I want to point out a couple of things here with just your story. Number one, sometimes we don't believe that we struggle or have or experience anxiety. That it's not a normal, natural part of the human experience. And you know, if if anxiety didn't strike you until you were forty, especially because of everything that you had been through, right? We might think that we're in the clear, like. You know, I, I I would think that, right? Like if I didn't know anything about anxiety because of the label that we put on it, I might go, oh gosh, you know, I'm in my 30s. I'm good. I, I don't struggle with anxiety, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, and yet anxiety is a very normal, natural part of our human experience, right? And so I just want to make it clear to our listeners that what we're talking about in the world of anxiety right now is one and everybody experiences it from time to time. Let's just give some examples. You know, you feel like you've lost your wallet, right? <gasps> that feeling is anxiety. Or is it? Where did I place it? I'm scrambling around. I don't know what to do. And my brain starts thinking about all the what ifs. What if I lost it? What if it was stolen? What if <gasps> What if I never find it again? Oh, my gosh. There's my my checkbook, my credit cards, my, my cash, right? Um, that's anxiety. Or I, I know I... I miss getting into a car accident or I don't know how to have a conversation with my partner and I'm anxiety ridden and my heart starts to beat really fast and my armpits get really sweaty. That's anxiety. That's low grade anxiety. And then it has ranges, right, Keely? It can get to a point where it's momentary and it passes. And then it can get to the point, as you described, from trauma and from past experiences and not knowing how to develop or, or, or deal with it. And it can turn into a place of incapacitating anxiety. Um, yes, indeed. And, and we tend to talk about anxiety as stress. Oh, I'm, I'm a little stressed out today. <laughs> like, ah, feeling the stress a lot today. Um, and so we don't really use that word anxiety so much. It tends to be pigeonholed with the, you know, within the medical community. Um, but, you know, I, what I think of is, you know, stress is low grade, um, anxiety is mid grade, full on panic attack. You're, you know, that same nervous system is just way amped up in its reaction. Mm -hmm. So share with us a little bit about what anxiety feels like. Oh, for me, it feels like there's an electrical fence around my gut. Mm. Like there's little tiny lightning bolts <laughs> around my <sighs> stomach and my heart is pounding and my chest might get tight and my shoulders tight and achy. And um, sometimes I'll feel real jittery. Like after a car accident, I noticed it was just I felt this internal shaking. Mm -hmm. And I, I, after I did all what I needed to do, I drove off a little bit, parked, and just let myself shake physically, and it shook it right out of my system. So mm -hmm. shaking is another way to engage that nervous system and let it disengage or dis, discharge is the word I'm looking for. So, but it's also confusion and brain fog and racing brain and that inability to take action, that, that feeling kind of frozen or paralyzed um, exhausted. And for, those are all my symptoms, you know, that have been throughout my life. Other people also notice headaches and increased blood pressure and tight muscles causing more physical pain, joint pain, right? Shallow mm -hmm. breathing, sleep apnea, like there's a whole contingent of vets that went back with 
is it CPAPs or BPAPs to, to Iraq on their second tour? Because the trauma and the anxiety from the trauma had caused sleep apnea, mm. right? So fist clenching, jaw tightening. And then there's the flip side of anxiety, heavy feeling, dead or numb, right? Yeah. Depression. Yeah. So same nervous system reactions that are happening in different ways. And I can talk more about that if we have time, but it's all related. And everybody's symptoms are different. Mm-hmm. I, um, I like to, when we're talking about matters of the emotional nature, I like to bring along a conversation or a, a metaphor of the physical. Um, sometimes it's difficult for us to understand the emotional body. And so I want to create a couple of distinctions here that might support our conversation. Mm -hmm. I want people to understand, our listeners out there, that we all have as human beings a physical body and we have an emotional body. And our physical body and our emotional bodies work just the same. Thank goodness. (laughs) We can learn a lot about managing our emotional well-being by looking at how we handle our physical well-being. And they're both real, right? It's just that our emotional bodies, isn't in, it's invisible, it's fluid, it's dynamic, and gosh darn it, if it can't time travel, right? We can have an emotional experience that takes us back to 1970 in like nanoseconds, right now, right? There we are. A song comes on, a word is said, a phrase is spoken, and, and you had brought up, you know, in, in our military and such, and, and what a challenge that is in PTSD, and and that really is what a panic attack is, is it's, it's something triggers us, and then all of a sudden we time travel emotionally back to whatever that time frame is that our brains have wired that experience to be. And that's the beauty of it, because sometimes we want to go back and remember our memories and good times in our childhood and, and good times in our lives, right? That's where our memories also come from, where that same song can come on that takes me to a beautiful place or inspires me or causes me to remember a loved one or a great moment or victory in my own life. So, the same thing that can be a nemesis to us and our emotional bodies can actually be the empowering part of us as well. And so, we don't want to get rid of it. We just need to learn how to manage it. And just like if I have pain in my physical body, it's going to ask for my attention. It's going to say, hey, hello, I need your attention right now. And when our nervous systems get right triggered in an emotional sense in our emotional bodies, it's saying the same thing. And I loved what you said, Keely, when you said, sometimes I just have to go and let my body shake it out. And that's my emotional system. Like, working a few things out, just like my physical body does, right? (laughs) And they're so connected. Mm -hmm. So you're shaking out your emotions, but you're also discharging it from your physical body. Because when we do that time travel piece, we're not just, we may be completely unaware we're doing it, for starters. A lot of people with PTSD have no idea why all of a sudden they freeze or why all of a sudden they want to punch somebody, right? Mm-hmm. But it's, so it's not just the emotions. It, the exact same reaction is happening inside the body. We're being flooded with hormones. We're being, our nervous system is doing all kinds of crazy things, including cutting off some blood supply to the conscious parts of our brain, right? The cortex and 
prefrontal cortex, which I'd love to talk about more, but, but it's very intertwined. There is no separation between mm-hmm. the two. Yes, I love that. Yes, let's talk about the prefrontal. Let's go there. Because well, let me, I let want me just, if I may, let me just, uh, Keely, ask you if I may, why is it, do you feel it's so scary, you know, for, for you to, you know, when you finally realized you had to turn and face everything that you were experiencing at the emotional level? Why, why is it that we feel, why do you feel it's so scary for us? Like Stacey had shared, it's really easy, pretty much accepted that when we have a physical, if someone's stepping on your toe, we're not going to go too long without saying, oh, excuse me, you know, please get off my toe. But why, share with us, why do you feel that's such a, uh, a, a difficult journey for people to take, you know, to be mm. able to, 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 to sh- you know, if you don't mind sharing, why, why is that? Why do we, why do we do that to ourselves? Right. Well, it's interesting because you ask the question as if it's a conscious thing that we're doing our, to ourselves, right? But actually, it's an unconscious thing. Mm. So, it, and I also want to say we have no models, to start very few when I was growing up, very few models of what that would look like for women in particular. Sure. Um, but also it's an unconscious biological response. It's not a conscious response. So I love that. It's so true. It, it, yeah. it because the hormones fire off and then the next thing you know, your body's reacting and right. your mind and starts scrambling because you can't make any sense of it yourself, right? Right. And one of the things that your body's doing is seeing more danger than ex- actually exists. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? The, the amygdala and the hippocampus, are they're comparing the present to the past. And as soon as something triggers us that says, whoops, this might be a problem, right? We're immediately immersed in this sense of danger. So it makes it even harder to speak up or to do the thing we need to do to stay safe. Mm-hmm. So literally the convergence of what's t- what you have so wonderfully described is almost... Hence why it needs some really, really skillful approach, because we have a convergence of things happening within our body that's really unlike anything else. Yes? Yes. And, I mean, yes, there can be times where it's really important to have skillful help. And it is also very simple to unwind anxiety. You know what you're doing. And this used to be embedded in our cultures, Right. We used to know how to do this. And as colonizations have happened, it's actually stripped away. I mean, colonization was happening way back in Europe. We were colonized tons. Right. And so all of that was pulled out of the culture. So the medicine people and the the drum, like Norwegians, their drumming was banned. Drumming is, is something that rebuilds that bond after trauma. So um, all of the simple things that we would do, the, the, the rubbing our hands together, rubbing our hands on our pants and paying attention to what that feels like inside. Our sensations are what make us feel alive, right? And we numb it down when we don't, we don't know how to handle it, but but when we pay attention to that sensation, it helps bring us back mm. from anxiety, and it helps reconnect us to ourselves. So I don't know. I'm kind of wandering all over the place, but let's it, 
No, I think oh, you're doing fantastic. I, I want to go back over what you had just said, because I what you're giving away is gold. What you're giving away is if you're struggling with anxiety, whether it be on the scale of, of, of low to high, it doesn't really matter, right? The, the moment that we can intervene with it, the easier it is to manage, right? We don't have to wait for it to climb, right? And sometimes we can't manage it. Sometimes it just is right zero to like 60, like a high performance machine that we are. Yep. <laughs> Um, but but if we can, right, we, exactly. we can do some of these simple things. So I want you to go over those again, very specifically, so that our listeners can like really take that in, right? So the first sure. thing we can do is what, number one? Well, the first thing that is very helpful for a lot of people, um, particularly tactile people, is just rubbing your hands together, rubbing your hands on your pants, just paying attention to that sensation that helps us come back into our bodies. It helps. I don't know if our listeners understand this language that I'm using, but but it it helps us re-engage. I'll, I'll leave it at that. Um, so, so, yeah, just paying attention. And, and it gives a signal to the survival brain, which is the in the brainstem, and it talks a lot with the amygdala, um, and it controls what happens to the rest of our brain. So it, it's the language we speak in the survival brain. Don't speak English. We don't speak any other language. We speak language of sensation. We speak mm-hmm. the visual images, right? Mm-hmm. We, my daughter, I have a daughter that struggles with PTSD. She was rescued from a domestic violent relationship about 10 years ago. And one of the things that would really, really help her when she would have a panic attack is for me to just rub, you know, put, put my arms around her and like rub her back. And what I know, right, is that it gives the brain something else to focus on. Instead of just, you know, continuing to escalate the what if and oh my gosh, and I'm not safe and I've got to do something and, and the, the, the panic that's reeling inside of ourselves, the sensation gives my brain something to focus on that takes it out of that scrambling, I don't know what to do, I don't know what to do. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that you're saying sensation is so powerful, right? Rubbing your hands together, having somebody hold you, wrap their arms around you if you're a toucher, feeler, um, if that's something is comforting for you or, or, or a, a fuzzy blanket that you can rub your face in or um, anything that's going to redirect the neurosystem, right? Yes. Have you had success with like music and some of those things as oh, well? Absolutely. Music, um, if there's particular favorite pieces, that's put it on, dance to it. Like that dancing, that rhythm, um, especially if you can dance with other people. Mm-hmm. reconnects us. That's um, Bessel van der Kolk's work, looking at how we reconnect with community, reconnects us to ourselves, reconnects us to spirit. So, um, so yeah, uh, the music, the visualizations. So, imagining where you'd rather be right now, imagining the beloved pet or place in nature or the person who is so dear to you. There's a, there's a beautiful story of a woman during, after Katrina, um, she was labeled catatonic because she'd just been kind of rocking back and forth in one place for many days and um, nobody knew how to reach her. Right? Mm. So she gets this diagnosis. But 
a Red Cross worker with a one hour training walks up to her and says, I notice that you're rocking back and forth. I wonder how that feels inside. And immediately the, the rocking, which had been kind of jerky, becomes smoother, right? And the very next day, this woman who'd been catatonic walks into the Red Cross Center to thank her and say, you know, when you mentioned I was rocking, I realized I needed to be on the porch swing with my grandma. Mm. That childhood memory of the swinging with her grandma, a safe place, a, a warm, loving person, was so strong, it could bring her out of a catatonic state. Mm. Mm -hmm. Simple. Mm -hmm. It is so, the, these things that we need to nourish. Yeah, I'm sorry, Keely. I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. Part of the key is noticing what people are already doing because our nervous systems, they're not only designed to get us into um, freak out, <laughs> they're also designed to calm us down, right? Mm -hmm. So she just hitchhiked on what her biology was already trying to do. It was trying to get her on the porch swing, but she was stuck. She couldn't quite get there. Right? As soon as she paid attention to it, somebody said, oh, you're rocking. Oh, rocking. Porch swing. Right? Mm -hmm. So if you notice somebody's rubbing their hands together and looking really anxiety ridden, you can just say, hey, I notice you're, you're rubbing your hands together. How's that feel? You know, I notice you're feeling a little anxious. Maybe just notice what's going on in your hands right now. You're doing fine. I'm here. You're safe. So just give that a moment. You know, and pretty soon the, the small rubbing movements become larger and they start to really be able to pay more attention to it. And the more you do it, the more it unfolds that reaction that you're looking for. Mm -hmm. Isn't it amazing that our bodies naturally know what to do? Yeah. And in a panic attack, right? In a panic attack, you feel like you're so out of control. Mm -hmm. And yet your body is taking you to a place where it needs to go in order to unwind things if we were able to pay attention, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, where our bodies are so full of wisdom. Yeah, and I love, that, Keely, that you shared, you know, the story that what a powerful story that the Red Cross worker and correct me if I'm wrong, I would imagine when you're when you're you know when you're doing your best to cope and using the strategies that you've already shared with us say rubbing your hands together or on your pants sometimes you know one could be self-conscious so rather than making someone feel bad about that you're asking to be invited into that experience by the the the, the observer that is skilled correct i mean meaning it will it will expedite expedite the the calm that the person wants to have by doing that mm -hmm. And even cooler, nervous systems are psychic. It, so science shows us that nervous systems talk to each other and communicate and, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for, affect each other from a distance. So if you are calm, it will help the other person calm down. If you're not so calm, <laughs> they'll pick you up. <laughs> and get you a little panicked too, right? <laughs> yes. 
Yes, that's so true. Well, and that's going to take us right into where it is we're going to go next, which is how does anxiety hijack our relationships and what we can do if by chance, maybe you're not the one that's struggling with anxiety, but you're in a relationship with somebody who is. We'll be right back. Do you feel like your love life is on life support? It's time for a turbocharged relationship resuscitation with an alternative to marriage counseling. Head over to StacyBartley.com to learn more about their proprietary programs their clients use to save their relationships. S-T-A-C-I-B-A-R-T-L-E-Y.com. Visit StacyBartley.com today. Ready to learn the most important thing you can do to revitalize your relationship today? Go to StacyBartley.com slash fairy dust. StacyBartley.com forward slash fairy dust. This is the number one thing Stacy teaches her VIP clients that has the power to improve the health of your relationship today. Learn how sprinkling a little fairy dust in your relationship can stop arguments in their tracks, rekindle your spark, and take your difficult conversations from the struggle bus to easy street. Are you tired of sitting on a couple's counselor's couch and feeling like you're just rehashing the past and making no progress? Do you feel like you're holding on to your relationship but panicked you're losing your partner? It's time to learn how to deepen your connection, finally resolve the arguments that keep coming up, understand yourself and your partner, and create the level of intimacy you've been dreaming of. It's time for love to tingle your toes again. Schedule your private session with relationship expert Stacy Bartley at stacybartley.com slash checkup. Make it a great day. Keep your dial on Alternative Talk 1150. Hey, welcome back. If you're just joining us, we've been having an incredible conversation with Keely Megan about anxiety and what it feels like and some simple things that you can do to calm yourself down, like rub your hands together and create a sensation that's taking you out of the anxiety place. But we want to take this conversation now into the relationship realm where maybe you are not necessarily the one that's struggling with anxiety, but you love a person who is perhaps a lover or a child right that you're trying to support through this this challenging experience of anxiety how does that happen i can tell you that as couples come into our offices what really plays out is someone who struggles with anxiety has tried to share but not quite knowing how to share and then when they did share they felt judged or criticized for it or not being able to quote, get control of it, right? And they feel like Mm -hmm. there's something wrong with them. And the other partner that isn't struggling with anxiety, that's not feeling these sensations in their body and who seems from an onlooker to be so like incredibly outlandish, right? I panic because then I don't know what to do and I don't know how to support you and I don't know how to fix this. 
And typically, these are the conversations that lead us to creating a gap or a wedge between us now. How we used to once be connected and supportive of each other, we're now finding ourselves more and more and more in a place where we can't talk about it. So the person who's experiencing anxiety begins to try and hide it, right, and manage it on their own. And the person who's experiencing it or trying to be that supporter realizes that they're failing at doing such a great job, and they start to get defensive or upset about when they see it, right? It's like, oh, why can't you just pull it together? Why can't you just, right, get a handle on this? Oh, we're going to talk about this again? Or, we, or we've been in this space long enough now. It's time to let's move on now. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we mm-hmm. spent enough time. Uh, we're done now. Mm-hmm. And so these things can greatly affect our relationships. And as you were struggling with anxiety, Kiwi, did this affect your relationships in, in these ways as well? Oh, gosh. Yes. Oh, my God. Um, uh in all kinds of ways. I mean, I say that anxiety is like a stealth bomber in relationships. Mm. Mm-hmm. And these things come out of nowhere. Oftentimes, I don't really know why they came out of me. Like, have you ever said, I'm sorry I did that. I don't know why I responded that way. Right. So um, these things would come out of me and I wouldn't know why I did it or said it. And I would see my partner, you know, at that point, I don't even realize there's something wrong. Or maybe I have a little, like, oh, maybe I was a little off there. Um, but then my partner would react and she wouldn't know what was going on and why I'd just thrown this, maybe a zinger at her, right? And, and um, so I want to explain a little bit about what's happening in the brain so that both sides of this conversation know <laughs> That um, when we say it's an unconscious biological reaction to a perception of danger, um, anxiety, it's not a lack of willpower and it's not our fault. It's the unconscious brain hijacking the conscious brain. So what that means is the survival brain, which is kind of the gatekeeper, has faster reaction times. and it, we use it unconsciously to keep us safe, but it's only good for about 20 minutes maximum, preferably more like 20 seconds, right? And when it flips the switch and says, I'm taking over, it shuts down the cortex and the prefrontal cortex. So your capacity for decision-making and um, moral capacity ethics, language, and creativity all kind of go down the drain, right? Your blood supply to that area of the brain is diminished. Your your neurological interactions are diminished, right? You're less of who you really are, and you're more of this crazy thing in your neck that's saying, I'm taking control now, <laughs> right? I'm in charge. Everybody stand back. Yes, <laughs> That's usually what it is. Everybody stand back. Uh, I've got weapons and I'm going to use them. Right. (laughs) Or you might be in a freeze response, right? Like just shutting down, going up, hibernation time. We're we're clear. Nothing good is going to happen here, you know? So um, many different reactions that can happen, but when they're unexpected and they seem out of character, it's a good, pretty good indicator that there might be some anxiety happening and that somebody else has grabbed the wheel 
Okay. Mm -hmm. That's so. so important. That's so, so, so important and valuable, right? And and what we tend to do in our relationships is we tend to take these moments personal without mm -hmm. realizing the opportunity is to do the one and only thing that we have the capacity to do when something is happening outside of us, which is to step in the, as the role of support. Yes. That's the only thing we can give, right? When we love somebody, we tend to want to jump in and fix it, which usually means I'm trying to enroll you into the idea that you're safe, right? And that you need to see things my way, right? Mm -hmm. And that that <laughs> your way of seeing this or experiencing this is wrong and mine is right. That's our, our favorite conversation in relationships, right? So yes. that's what we're saying, really, when I say pull it together. I'm saying, I don't understand what you're doing right now. So you need to stop and see things my way. Exactly. So, for example, um, to play this out a little bit, as a sexual abuse survivor, and there's so many of us out there, I want to be sure to share this. So, encounters with intimacy can be really quite challenging, mm -hmm. right? So, this intimacy can involve things that remind you of something in your past that was horrifying and terrifying and um, create, you, you know, that unconscious trigger where all of a sudden something has changed and you don't know what it is. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't know what it is, right? And I, I would start to freeze up. And my partner would feel abandoned, like, what? This is, we're stopping? What? Like, <laughs> I was really enjoying this. What do you Yeah, mean? and not only that, but like, I'm getting to a place I really need to go. I'm getting to a place that is so luscious and I feel so connected to you. And all of a sudden you disappeared on me. That's mm -hmm. not fair, right? So really good reasons for resenting what's happening. But um, because I'm numb and I can't really communicate very well what's happening or why it's happened... I don't know how to respond. So I shut down. So that's one of the toughest places to deal with this. It's much easier if you can deal with, like, go into a class and learn about it together. If this is an issue, learn about it together. What's going on physically, emotionally, what, and then start to look at what are your triggers and then work on that outside the bedroom. Right. So you get better at that and then you can bring it inside the bedroom. But well, and, and you've brought up, you know, um, a, probably one of the most deepest vulnerable places we ever find ourselves is in our intimacy, our sexual intimacy with others. And unfortunately, if you're hearing our voices right now, right, and you're struggling with these kinds of things that Keely just described, understand and realize where we typically go as the person who's not experiencing the anxiety is, oh my gosh, I did something wrong. What's wrong with me? Why can't you love me is the conversation without realizing there's nothing wrong with you. It's not anything you've done that the experience is happening inside of the body of your lover. Mm -hmm. And we can step into a supportive role again. I'm going to use that word. Right. It's this place where, right, I don't take it personal. And, and that's typically what we do. And that's the hardest part I found in working with couples in this very, very delicate and difficult situation and challenge that you brought up 
is that we tend to personalize what's happening. The reaction of my lover means something that I should know, something I should be doing, or something is wrong with me. And indeed, that's not the case, right? I like to say, if you are not the one feeling it, the message is not for you. And there's nothing that you can do about remedying that. And if we go back to the analogy of our physical and our emotional bodies, I wouldn't feel like I needed to take responsibility for somebody who had fallen down and skinned their knees on their own, unless, of course, I'd push them. But let's say they fell down, skinned their knees, and I had nothing to do with it. I wouldn't feel responsible for that. Yeah. But indeed, in the bedroom, I might, right? If they're mm-hmm. pulling back, they're checking out, they're, they're going numb, I might go, oh, it's me. You can't love me. I'm not lovable. I can't do this right. I can't. What, I feel rejection instead of realizing, no, what's happening is happening inside of the experience of your lover. And all you can do is play a supportive role. That's your place where you get to say, hey, how can I support you from this? What do you need? Right? Let them tell you. And it kind of goes back to your story of the Red Cross, right? Notice what they're already doing. What can I do for you? Which ironically helps bring them closer, right? Mm, yes. So what would, be, what would be helpful, Keely? You know, that's appropriate, obviously, to share on live radio. You know, what would be, you know, helpful, you know, in that intimate experience when, you know, the... Yeah, what have you done personally that, that you know, you're talking from personal experience here. We're not talking about a client. We're talking to, to you. So, you know, in those moments, how did you successfully move through that with your lover? It worked best, really, when she was not taking it personal. And when she could say, oh, hey, I noticed something just happened. Can you tell me what's going on inside? Mm-hmm. You know, just really gently, really non-judgmental. Um, and that gave me enough safety. Like, I didn't feel like I had to keep trying to perform something I was completely incapable of in that moment. And, um, you know, I had that permission and safety that you talk about so beautifully. Mm-hmm. So, hey, I notice something's going, it seems like something's going on for you. Mm-hmm. Can you share what that is? I love that. And uh, my favorite question is, how can I support you? Mm. How can I support you right now? What do you need from me? Because in reality, that's all we can give if something is happening outside of ourselves, right? With a child or a lover. It's, it's realizing and recognizing that that's really all I have to give unless it's mine to manage. This emotional experience that we have with inside of ourselves is really work that only we can do within us. Absolutely. Right? So like beautifully said because it is so important that survivors um, are encouraged to do their own work. Like there's a lot of us who want to be rescued. And, I, you know, I've fallen into that camp. I, I want somebody to save me. I want somebody to do the work for me. But as soon as somebody tries to do it, I get mad because mm-hmm. I know it's my work and nobody else is going to be able to do it like I can do it. <laughs> 
Well, and as I say, we we call this um, concept emotional weightlifting, and and emotional weightlifting is developing the emotional capacity and ability to face emotionally difficult things, right? And so, in my emotional weightlifting, oftentimes you have a person in the relationship that's trying to do the emotional weightlifting for everybody. Mm-hmm. Right. And if I do it for you, I can do it for me. I can do it for everybody. And it's a lose, lose, lose all the way around because I, if I'm doing the emotional weightlifting for the relationship, I'm going to burn out. There's Absolutely. no way that I have the capacity to do that. Right. And it saves the other person from doing the emotional weightlifting that they need to do in order to become stronger and gain the capacity and the skill necessary in order for them to be successful and feel successful with inside of themselves. So nobody wins. There's a right. no win there. <laughs> Absolutely. And that first weightlift is terrifying. Terrifying. You, you think you're going to die, right? You're convinced. <laughs> yes, I'm so glad you're funny. Yes. Well, you know, you think about going to the gym, right? For real and working out your physical body, right? And if you're out of shape, we have a CrossFit gym just down the street from us, right? And, and I've done CrossFit before. And I remember, you know, trying to climb a pole for the first time or having to do my very first military style, like push-up. And just like you said, physically, your your brain is going, there's no way this is going to go well, right? And you're like, ah! right? And I remember falling into tears, right? Trying to do, you know, two push-ups. And my coach saying, come on, Stacey, you can do this. Give me a push-up. And I'm like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> And essentially, that's what goes on in our offices, Keely, every day. Where we're saying, hey, you've got this. You can do this. Now, give me an emotional push-up. Tell me what's going on inside of you. What do you need? Right? And the beauty is, after that first one, it's never as scary. It's so true. Never, ever as scary. For me, like, I had to do emotional push-up after emotional push-up. Like, I was doing it for a decade, man. And then I did it again in my 40s, right? But once I got certain skills it, with with a skilled person, you know, oh, my gosh, like ah, I can do this in like seconds. I can do this in my sleep. I can do this on a bus. I can do this anywhere. <laughs> yes. It's not hard. Well, and just like when we get to a place physically where we feel confident and strong in our own bodies, right? Maintaining it is so much easier than than building it. Mm-hmm. And so it is with our emotional capacity and strength, right? Maintaining it is an ongoing process. It's never going to be completed, right? Yeah. And so getting in there and maintaining it, once you do develop those skills, right? That, and you know how to support your partner or you know where to go when you're having an anxiety attack because they don't go away. We just get better at managing it. Challenges don't just go away. We just gain confidence and and. Um, abilities to navigate through it. So we're like, oh man, this, okay, we got this. We know what to do, right? And as it changes and evolves, you just get better and better and better at it, right? So I love that you say, yay, it was so simple and I can do it anywhere. And that's so true in so many of these things that we tend to avoid that are of the emotional nature. Yeah, and I, th- I think it's, it's again, to, to, to be redundant, um, just as in any skilled person, you know, or, or place of, of, you know, improvement in our physical lives, that has not happened, you know, just 
magically. It, it's through repetition and repetition and repetition. That's why in our body of work, we do say emotional weightlifting because people can, oh, okay, that makes sense because you literally have to do the reps of things like you shared, Keely. You have to do that first one that terrifies you, then the next one won't be so terrifying. Of course, it's much, much easier if you can be in a place of permission and safety to do that. So as our as a partner that doesn't you know, have the challenge, the best thing we can do, Stacy says to me all the time, what do you need to hear from me right now? You know, mm. like, boom, okay, I need, and then you have to advocate for yourself, but that comes through repetition and building that permission and safety between you and your loved one, you and your child, you and your family, your, you know, your sibling, your parents, you know, I mean, yes, I mean, it, it takes repetition to do so. Absolutely. Yeah. I love that. What do you need to hear mm-hmm. from me right, right now? now. Mm-hmm. How can I support you? And what's interesting is when we love somebody, and, and obviously the more we care, the more challenging this is, is, is I want to jump in and I want to fix it for you, which is doing emotional weightlifting for everybody, by the way. I just want to point that out. And then I panic because I don't know how to fix it. I don't even understand what's going on. And I'm supposed to come up with the answers. I'm supposed to know how to comfort you or make this all better. And the simple solution to that is just what we're talking about here. Hey, how can I support you? What do you need? Because the person who's experiencing it is going to know what that is, or at least how to make maybe take that first step into comforting them, right? Going back to the story of my daughter, mom, just put your arms around me and tickle my back. Okay, gosh, I can do that. <laughs> and then that would turn into, let's go for a walk. That's Now let's talk. Now I'm ready to share, right? And, and it would unwind itself, as you so beautifully said. Mm-hmm. And There's... that's why the the list that I um, am providing for people at that that you'll post on your um, page is that the the fourteen things you can do. It's so great to have a list posted on the fridge that you can just go. Let's try this one. Let's try this one. Let's try oh, this one. I love that. I love that. And I want to I want to get that in. Unfortunately, there are so many things that we could still go on and talk about here. And oh, it's time for us to go. How does this go so fast? <laughs> so, hey, tell us where we can we can connect with you, our listeners. How can they connect with you, Keely? And tell us um, a little bit more about this wonderful gift that you've given us here inside the Love Shack. Uh, those beautiful 14 things that you can do to get help now. I love that. Sure. Sure, yeah. So you can reach me at keelymegan.com. So K-E-E-L-Y. M E A, like more like Megan, M E A G A N, as in Nancy. Mm-hmm. Dot com. Um, I do do private sessions. I have classes, and um, you can also find on my website as well as the um, radio website and the podcast um, the list of the fourteen things. So this is. More things like rubbing your hands together or looking around you and naming four different things you can see, four different things you can hear. Um, Simple, simple things like this. The more you do it, the more your nervous system responds. Mm -hmm. So beautiful. I want to say in this time of people wanting to kill themselves, because they are so in despair over what's happening, right? Mm-hmm. We have suicides that are just skyrocketing. So, 
Now Post it the- on your fridge if you receive <laughs> the call, right? Keep right. people talking and get, walk them through the list. I love that. Keely, thank you so much for being here with us today. This is such an important and empowering conversation. And we've got to have you come back and do this again. We just, we didn't cover as much as I'd wanted to, but I promise we'll have you come back and we'll take another crack at it. Um, Next week, we have coming up a conversation, three ways to make difficult conversations easier in your relationship. You know, we need to begin embarking on some of these conversations that are sometimes challenging to have. And we have a special song for you today as we close out our song or our show every week we have a song that we share that kind of continues on with the conversation that we're having this song is another song another favorite by tom and i blank and jones called knife fly it's designed to help us take a big deep breath realize that we're okay in this moment that we're going to be able to right if we'll just calm down and and maybe support and love those who are around us and give us some safety and permission to maybe Feel our feelings, take a breath, hold each other, love. We can experience some calm even right now amongst all the chaos that's surrounding us. Enjoy, maybe bring your heart and your life some peace in this moment as well. Thanks so much, listeners, for being with us. We love and appreciate you always. We look forward to being back here with you next week. Bye-bye for now. Mm -hmm.